0: pete giuliano good morning it is what is it is it saturday saturday may 15th 2021 man it's been a long time this is solder smoke what's the number pete 230 230 crank it in ralph i'm gonna say crank it, it crank in crank it in ralph it's crank been a while it in. listen i'm sorry for the delay and it is all due to me n2 cqr has been down for maintenance pete down for maintenance. It happens. I don't want to get into this. You know, if we start talking about ailments, it becomes what, what a friend of mine called an organ concert. <laughs> and we don't want to yes. do that. Just uh, suffice it to say, I managed somehow to pull some muscles in my back and my leg. It, Pete, this could be very painful. I don't know if you, you realize it can be quite painful. Uh, it was it really messed me up, and it was especially bad in the morning, so it interfered with the solder Smoke podcast, but I am getting better. I am definitely on the mend I wish I could say this was done doing something ham radio heroic, you know, hauling around my DX100, or lifting an R390 for maintenance, or putting up a big antenna, but no, the truth is I don't know how I did it, but I did it anyway. Here we are, we're getting better. Uh, Pete, I think we need to begin with a few words about about something that happened around the time of our last podcast, and I'm referring to the date of April 1st. Uh, a very important date here at solder smoke headquarters. Um, and we, you know, we carried a very important story. We didn't do it on the, on the podcast, but we did it on the blog. We reported that, um, the, the FCC has been taking some rather drastic steps to, uh, to ban the use of what they call legacy equipment, banning some draconian, draconian federal action, Pete taking place. And, um, you know, we ran a story, we discussed it in detail. It was, of course, completely bogus, completely invented. And as you read through the story, you you, you should have gradually come to realize that, that it was bogus. But but people who were attracted by the headline, I, I said this year, if you clicked on the headline, that means we gotcha, okay? And, and anybody who was in gotcha category should not feel bad because they are far from alone. Pete, I checked the hit count on that story, and there were two thousand six hundred and seventy-four people who clicked on wow. the headline. <laughs>
1: wow!
0: I I had what, to, was that a record? It might have been a record. I had to pull a plug on it because um, I was afraid people were going to initiate legal action or, uh, or or something, some other form of action. So we, we, we pulled we pulled the plug on it. Also, I want to just briefly mention I pulled that day two other very successful April first capers. My wife has a, uh, a business that she's affiliated with, and um, it has the word native, like native plant, native vegetation in the title. And I, I, I got on the, uh, the email server and told everybody in the company that we had received a, a letter from the Virginia Small Business Commission uh, demanding that we change the name because they don't want anything with native in it anymore. You know, like what happened with the Washington Redskins and all that? Oh, yeah. Holy yeah. cow, man. These people, I had all kinds. Of, oh, the reactions were just harsh. They were they were ready to call lawyers and stuff, and I I had to pull a plug on that. But I I got I got everybody in the company, including my wife, who I had warned earlier. But I told her the morning, She says, "I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do. it. I don't care what the commission says."
2: So, so sometimes these things backfire, don't they?
0: Oh, they do. They do. This this is where we had fun. And the final one I'm going to mention. You know, I I, I teach. I've been teaching classes, English classes, just a volunteer thing. And I, we're doing it on Zoom since the pandemic started. My students are just wonderful people and very, very cooperative, willing to go along with whatever crazy stuff we come up with. And so on the morning of April 1st, I think it was, I I appeared uh, on Zoom wearing these extremely dark sunglasses. And they were quite taken aback by this. This didn't look like the normal bill. And I I told them that, you know, I had received instructions that because there's concern about the the amount of radiation reaching our eyes... It's uh, right, from the computer screens, that uh, uh, the organization that sponsors our class is now insisting that we all wear dark glasses during all classes. I had received mine in the mail. They would be receiving theirs shortly, and then, and then from now on, we have to do the classes wearing these these glasses. And I said this all with a straight face, and I asked them, I said, are you all willing to go along with this? And they said, yeah, yeah. That's a gosh. Anyway, April 1st, it was, it was a lot of fun. Thank you for all who cooperated. Many people cursed me, Pete. I mean, using mm. actual cuss words.
1: Ooh. But I
0: just said, hey, that just goes with the territory. We do this because it's a long-standing ham radio tradition, and we are all about tradition here at Solder Smoke.
2: Um, absolutely
0: just a couple things I want to mention good news there's there's been so much bad news but good news in the spring things are getting better and one of the things I think we I want to mention is the ingenuity helicopter on Mars I am a big Mars fan I have maps of Mars here I dedicated my book to the Elser Mathis trophy uh, for the first two-way ham radio contact to Mars and you know NASA is flying a helicopter on Mars they've been flying it a lot. If you guys haven't checked this out, check it out. I'm going to put a link to a 60-minute story that was just amazing. They're like it's almost like ham radio, like the guys the guys who built the helicopter are are radio-controlled airplane guys who met two of them met at a at a radio-controlled airplane meet. And that and years later, they're they're cooperating scientists and engineers that built this helicopter. It's an amazing achievement. You know, when Perseverance landed on Mars, it was like in one of the worst days, I think, of the pandemic. And my son, who's not an, an emotional guy, he, he told me, he said he watched that landing. And he had a tear in his eye when they all cheered. And, and it was because finally something worked. We had been through a, a year of disaster and catastrophe and And failure, and now finally something works. so that was a that was a good moment. It's great when when something something works and perseverance and ingenuity are definitely in that category
2: before you leave that the company that built that is about twelve miles from where I live
0: oh man in,
2: Thank- C- in CB Valley and they had a, a piece in the Ventura County Star newspaper yesterday. They went and visited them and and the motor the motor on the helicopter was hand-wound by a guy, took him 80 hours, and they used square copper wire. And the reason for the square is because everything fits tight and it, it increases the magnetic flux. Oh, man. So you can make a really small motor, but it was hand-wound. took him 80 hours.
0: The You know, on the 60 Minutes Overtime, I'm going to try to link to it on the blog, um, They the guy who did it, describes how he did it. And this is this is where the knack comes in. This is where there's a connection to ham radio. I mean, so just just three cheers for NASA and Perseverance and Ingenuity. You know, they started work on that in 2013. I mean, it's a it's just an amazing amazing yeah. project and
2: Did you hear about the other one they developed called the Hummingbird?
0: I see they that is covered in the story too. <laughs> that is it's just fantastic. This guy built a kind of a radio-controlled hummingbird. And it looks and flies like a hummingbird. Just just, I mean, you're gonna you guys are gonna love this link. I'm gonna send it. Hey, you know, and similarly good news. I mean, there's amazing stuff that's happening all around us. Yesterday, China successfully landed a rover on Mars. I mean, and that's you know, you you know, all the you know, the political stuff aside, for humanity, I mean, human beings now have two rovers on Mars. And the what, China- was
2: it a Chinese copy of our? our no, rover? no, it's completely different. It's it's different. You look at it,
0: and uh, yeah. if you look at the videos, the spacecraft, the whole thing, it's it's really quite ingenious. And three cheers for them! I hope it goes well. A lot of scientific stuff happening around us, Pete. I don't know. You guys don't have it out here, but we we here are in the epicenter of the cicada, the cicada. Uh, brood 10 or brood x is coming out of the ground after 17 years 17 years they've been underground they're coming out and they're coming out this week elisa just called me out in the garden this morning our backyard is covered with these things and it is really interesting really cool good stuff happening good stuff happening interesting stuff scientific stuff pete Let's talk about your bench. Wait, wait a second. You want to say something?
2: Yeah, yeah. One, one point. You know, you made a comment a few seconds ago about tradition. You know, tr- traditional. Uh, April Fools was traditional. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I think I'd like to suggest about tr- tradition is everybody take a selfie with their mask on. <laughs> take, take a. No, I'm serious. Yeah. You, you know you have two two kids they're they're not married yet but someday they're going to get married and it's going to be really interesting to show your grandkids this is what it was like in 2020 it was rough with it, a picture with a picture i know I, I, i'm thinking of doing that i'm am t- t- going to tell my kids to do that never forget that
0: we 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 were Take. taking notes on some of the things that happened during the last year and i might i might write it up because it, when you look back this stuff that was in the beginning that was just now, in retrospect, unbelievable, but here we are. But anyway, yeah, things, so, think, things soon get...
2: will be without masks and you will forget.
0: I know, I know. <laughs> here we are. Uh, you know, Dean came over the other day and the two of us were sitting here in the shack just talking. And the only reason we could do it was because we're both vaxxed and yeah. both fully vaxxed. And if it wasn't for that, you know, so I mean, this yeah. is opening things up. So, really, people need to go out and get vaxxed. It, you know, it, it's just it makes. It changes Free. it'll change your life. And and it's Free. available everywhere. I go down to a shopping center, they got signs up, so please come in and get vaxxed. I mean no appointment yeah. necessary. Just walk into the supermarket. Great yeah. stuff. Pete, tell us about you've got so much stuff going. I think you should go first. I've been oh, rambling okay. on here. Tell okay. us about what you got going.
2: Okay. I first up I want to talk about something I experienced with regard to purchasing parts. Uh, I put an order in with DigiKey and usually was like two three days. It was sitting on my front door. So then they had, they had a note in there. It says it's going to take five days. And it was just twenty dollars worth of parts. Five days. Five days. And five days. Five days stretched into eight.
0: Oh my God! So I
2: I called them and I said, Hey guys, you know you had superior customer service. They got hit by COVID in their shipping department, <laughs> oh, and they're telling me that business is booming. That's that's They have so and same thing with Mauser. Mauser has a note on their website saying, By the way, expect a couple extra days because of the remarkable amount of orders. Someone pulled the lever and all of a sudden orders are in and one of my most favorite companies locally here in in Van Nuys, All Electronics, is closed in the storefront because of COVID. Although the online business is okay. I mean how could we be at that point? But I mean, when COVID goes through some of these companies, it's it's dramatic. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, Key big big business boom, but at the same time, their department got hit. So, hey, if you're ordering stuff, yeah, take a good look.
0: And this is this also is taking place at the time of the big chip crisis, and we're seeing yeah. we're seeing real shortages, real impact because of it, because of COVID and because of fires at some uh, important. Uh, manufacturing plants i understand it's now even affecting our beloved si-5351s yes so yes uh, i mean that's 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 when it really starts starts to hit home but you know in this there's good news and there's bad news the bad news is that these companies are still being affected by covid or they're dealing with the the consequences of covid but also the good news is that you're seeing business. signs of economic recovery.
2: Yes. That when business. people say
0: business is booming and you know the orders we can't we can't deal with it. Fill them. I mean that's the kind of problem you like to have. So uh, you got to look on the on the bright side there.
2: And, and one final note: one of my favorite suppliers, ABC Fab. That's the printed circuit board company. Yeah. ABC Fab. Uh huh. Well, the guys moved to Florida, and and he's shutting down his business for the summer so if you're gonna if you're an abc fab customer you got to get an order in twenty before the 24th or you ain't going to see anything until november wow so i mean this is a one-man operation did a superb job good prices quick delivery but he's one man and he's just saying man But you know,
0: but there's a lot of stuff that's still moving. Um, I, for example, I'm going to tell a story in a few minutes, but, but, but I I had some computer problems here and I I needed, I needed a new computer and a new monitor, the whole thing. And I went to our friend Bezos, the Amazon site, placed the order. Pete, you know, I mean, I, this is one of the benefits of living in Northern Virginia, but I placed the order around, I don't know, 10 o'clock in the morning and the computer was on my front step by the end of the day it's same day delivery around here even on stuff even if you order a computer a monitor hdmi cable the whole the whole nine yards it'll it'll be here the same day i mean so that's pretty good and obviously this computer was manufactured before the the chip crisis but there's, there's still a lot of that and i got it i got it really fast good stuff what else going on do, what's do, happening does it
2: does it help you have a second regional center in your back door.
0: It, 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 it just helps being here. I mean, it, it's, yeah. sometimes it's so fast that when you step outside, you kind of look up and say, "Where? where's the drone?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, with regard to what's on my bench, uh, I've been working on a lot of old equipment. Um, I finally got the Dentron, the Dentron Scout working. I, I mean, that's, that it,
0: that's amazing. It, 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 I think it's really cool. You're taking on these really kind of, well, let's face it, obscure rigs that weren't really intended for ham radio but tell us about it
2: yeah well the dentron scout was originally a a commercial uh, piece of equipment was intended for the civil air patrol and uh, so i got this thing it looked pretty cool it was all self-contained and it was crystal controlled so there was five channels so i had to uh, do away with the crystal controlled i added the si-5351 uh i moved it up to 40 meters and uh by itself it runs about seven watts and it's got self-contained speaker uh, cool i mean upper and lower van you you've know? been making
0: contact I, I saw your videos you made some made some contacts with it too yeah yeah and it's pretty cool and when I, you tell the guys that you're running a dentron scout they look at you like huh
2: yeah. What? Uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> is that one and of those
0: then, new rigs?
2: <laughs> yeah, and and then I did a similar thing with a uh, TenTec ten uh, which is a was a commercial eight channel, and it was in two to twelve megahertz, and I reworked that, and I, I did it once before with a remote box, and the remote box got a little flaky, so I I moved everything inside the radio, so now on the speaker grill I installed the the. Uh, color tft display so it's an all integral unit and i made it instead of being five bands like i had originally intended i made it in three so it's 80 40 and 20 and it works really well i mean and i picked it up for like 100 bucks you know Mm. so some of these things you can you can get very very inexpensively and if you take some of the new technology and just embed it in there you know like si-5351 with a color tft twenty dollars yeah
0: i know it's Like like you've been saying, and you've been saying all along, this is one of the best times to be a home brewer. Yeah, yeah. The best of times and the worst of times, you know, but but the best of times in many ways.
2: Well, speaking of home brewing,
0: our friend Dean. Wait, wait, before you stop, I want to mention one more rig, because I love the name of this thing. You've been doing something similar with the Spillsbury Tyndall SBX 11A. Tell us about that.
2: Well, the Spillsbury
0: Tyndall. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like it sounds like chocolate milk. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's it's a company up in Vancouver, British Columbia. Mhm. And they built this commercial radio that that looks like something like an oversized lunchbox, you know. It's <laughs> it's a metal lunchbox. And it was intended for like logging services. This is uh, what this
0: is what I say when I say Pete is reaching out and going to the to the more obscure ssb rigs yes.
2: yeah but this this rig was really interesting it operates off of nine d cells wow. nine d cells 10 watts mm-hmm. single sideband and it was four channels and what was interesting is you can set the channels up for what's called semi-duplex so in other words you would have uh receive on one channel and transmit on a different channel or you could do it simplex where you would uh, transmit and receive you know like on 2 meters transmit right. and receive on the same same frequency and the box came with a dipole antenna wow <laughs> so so you threw the dipole antenna up in the trees for what band it was from 2 to 10 megahertz wow so you could put put any crystal in there from 2 to 10 megahertz or, or pairs of crystals and it, it and it had a real small front panel and it and the microphone was permanently affixed so that there was a clip on the front where the speaker is, you could clip the microphone in there and then put the close the lid. Spillsbury Tyndall. And they're they're no longer in business, but they made about ten thousand of these. <laughs> so so in the period of nineteen seventy seven to like nineteen ninety seven, there was about ten thousand. And some of them go for five, six hundred bucks, especially ones that are in good shape. I, I don't know what you do with them, but but I gotta tell you they got a real RF transistor in there. Them nine volt batteries, <laughs> you're gonna <laughs> you, you operate that at ten watts <laughs> for about a half an hour and they're
0: gone. You
2: know, <laughs> you suck the energy right out of it. But it was kind of cute, kind of a neat idea. I, and, mean,
0: uh, I, I think it's so cool you're you're bringing this back. If anybody out there is running a Spillsbury Tyndall SBX 11A, please let us know.
2: Yeah, well, you can get the manual on the internet.
0: You get We're everything complete
2: with a, yeah, everything. It's got all it's got all the circuit diagrams and the, and I think it uses a. Uh, 455 kilohertz mechanical filter so that's why i think they limited to 10 megahertz because it'd be a little hard with the imaging
0: yeah yeah you you're pushing it there as i know as i know well even even at seven megahertz you're pushing yeah 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 well that that is really cool and just a 455 kc mechanical filter i imagine people are picking this thing up and just yanking the filter out yeah. I mean that's course, what I do.
2: <laughs> yeah, especially the filters like uh, you get a, a Collins filter now. They're they're no longer making the mechanical filters, so a Collins filter uh, a good one is about 120 150 bucks. But um, I wanted to mention um, about home brewing and and Dean, our friend Dean, KK4DAS in the Vienna Wireless Society. So so Dean built the simple SSB transceiver he calls it the furlough 40 and now it's a furlough 4020. so he's got it on two bands and he he took what i built and he added as he added appreciably to it he put an xt on display and he's got cat control in there so you can just hook it to a computer and work the digital modes he added agc and what have you so and he's got it al fresco you know on a big board so uh, he well, he joined the Vienna Wireless Society and he formed the Makers Group. So There's about 20 people that are working on this project but I guess in earnest it's probably about 10 or 12 units are actually going to get built. Quite a few of the units are, are pretty far along and um, there's about 8 that have the receiver section working. So if you have the receiver section working, that's about 80% of the transceiver. So the other 20% is really with the circuits associated with with the transmit part. But it's it's amazing to watch these guys. They have a a blog and they have a a reflector. And the simple things that you and I have experienced a long time ago, these guys are just experiencing now. Like soldering the transistor in backwards.
0: Yeah, that, 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 that's quite a, quite an experience there. Yeah,
2: you know, a few burnt hands.
0: Oh yes, yes. I still, have, I think I have the uh, the, the, yeah, the the profile yeah. of an Irf five yeah. ten on my thumb still. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. So I
2: mean, it's just interesting to see these guys, and they're learning so much and and it's really exciting to see what they're doing. I know you had a conversation with Dean about this the other day when he was over visiting with you.
0: He was a, a, a Dean is an amazing guy. You know, we we got first in contact with Dean back in 2019 when he wrote and said that he was interested in making a Michigan Mighty Might. So, I repeated the story many times, but we we kind of tried to <coughs> smuggle a a, 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 six, a 3579 uh, crystal colorburst crystal to Dean. Dean lives just on the well. He lives almost in the same part of the same county that I live in. He's about three or four miles away, but we had never met until last week. And he he contacted me and he said, "Listen, I, I got something for you. I want to come over? I'm fully vaxxed. You're fully vaxxed. We can do this now." So he came over and he uh, he visited the uh, my the solder smoke shack and. What an amazing guy. I, I did a video on it and I'll I'll put it up here in the next few days of, of he and I talking about this uh, this project at Vienna Wireless Society. But Dean is an amazing guy, aside from the project, you know, he spent many years working at JPL, the jet propulsion lab, Dare Mighty Things. Whoa. You know, he he just casually mentioned he wasn't dropping names, but we were just we had we had been talking about things JPL-ish and, and sort of Californian. You know, he he met a couple times with Richard Feynman. You know, and in, in, in you know, I I think Feynman was speaking, and, and he had the chance to just somebody talk to somebody who had a chance to talk to Richard Feynman is amazing. But Dean is a wonderful guy, and we had a great great conversation. He gave me one of the nine megahertz filters that they got from the oh, UK, here you go. <laughs> so I got one. Yeah, I have yeah, one yeah. here, and I'm gonna have to probably build a rig around it. You know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, well, to that end, this thing is uh is kind of growing. Our friend Dwayne,
0: Dwayne. Yeah, it's he, growing. He,
2: he he's he's got a group uh in, in he, Riverdale, I think it's Riverdale, Georgia, is huh. where where Dwayne is from. And they're uh he joined in their Zoom meeting uh the other night and um uh, so there's in, some interest on on their their group uh taking on this project. So I mean, it's it's kind of exciting. But but I find it fascinating bill is uh some guys will will uh, take whatever the design you have and and then they take a sort of issue one of one of Dean's guys took the uh, audio amplifier design I had and said you know if you had a uh, out of spec transistor this circuit won't work he said I did a rigorous calculation (laughs) so he said you need to change these bias resistors so it'll work for any transistor especially if it's off spec I said have at
0: it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. You know, improve. That's, that's the, be- the beauty of home brewing. Yeah, yeah. Do it your way.
2: It, yeah, the other the other advantage is it's all built in modules. So yeah. if you want to change something, you just change the model module without you, you know impacting everything else you, you it, need to yeah, do. Yeah,
0: Dean and I talked about this. This is a, almost of fundamental importance for, for new home brewers. Yeah. Now, time for a mystery. A mystery. There was a mystery in the N6QW shack.
2: Yeah, uh, and I thought I, I had a total result, but it may not be. Anyway, here was the problem. Uh, everything was charting along really nice. Most of my radios were all QRP, and then I have an intermediate amplifier that gets me up to 100 watts, and then if I really want to blast through, I can put the SB200 on, it gives me 600 watts. Peter,
0: shh, Pete, Pete, don't tell everybody because you're going to, again, be expelled from the QRP I, hall. I don't, of care. Okay. <laughs> I go don't ahead, care. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: So... You hook everything up, and it starts to oscillate. I mean, something happened. So I thought, you know, you kind of go through your mind, what could be a problem with the RF in your signal?
0: You know, so wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Your problem was that you were okay at QRP power levels. Correct. But problems started to crop up once you went. You see, I I told you what my theory was. (laughs) Yeah. Tony Fishpool (laughs) and those intrepid Brits Sent some sort of team over there when you were doing something else, and they snuck in you know, the shack. Yeah, you Put know, sugar you you're in all, the you're often tank. talking about putting putting a, a, a pin and a piece of coax. They did something a little <laughs> bit more sophisticated. Tony yeah. suggested that the the Royal Marines may have been involved. Yeah, and the, yeah. The, the objective of the whole operation was to somehow frustrate your efforts to operate beyond authorized QRP limits.
2: So you kind of go through the checklist. So I had some older coax in there and I replaced all the intermediate coax. And that didn't totally solve the problem. So then I looked at mic connectors. You know, sometimes you have a a braid comes loose on the mic and you get the signal come back through the mic amp. That wasn't it. So I traced it down to a a low pass filter because most of the time I found out the problem was on 40 meters. I have a low pass filter on the output of my CCI amp. And I think one of the capacitors was blown in there, and that was causing a high SWR condition. That when the amp is bypassed, that that low pass filter's not in line, so the QRP would work. So when it's in line, then it causes a problem because it's creating a high SWR, which being reflected back into the QRP. So I, I swapped out a filter, and that seemed to cure the problem. So I'm I got my fingers crossed that I've solved the mystery, but. Drive you nuts.
0: Oh, man. It'll, it it can drive you nuts. So the troubleshooting, the, the joys of troubleshooting.
2: But I I said, maybe the amplifier's got a problem. Maybe one of the transistors has got a problem with it, and they're, they're not balanced, you know, because it's a push-pull. So I discovered there's a whole raft of new amplifiers with the new NXP MRF 300. This is a 300-watt. RF transistor, forty-eight bucks.
0: Every dark cloud has a silver lining. You learn about this stuff, Pete.
2: Yeah, you can get a six hundred watt a- amplifier, two transistors, for about four hundred bucks. Wow, that's all. That's, that's built. That's from the UK built, and it's built by the guy that won the contest.
0: And what's the? What, oh, that's right. And what's the voltage on this thing? Uh, Fifty. 50 volts. Well, you know, you could you could hurt yourself, but it's not like you got five thousand volts there. No.
2: Well, the beauty of the 50 volts is they pick that for a reason because it's it gives you a better load match yeah. uh, to to 50 ohms. Yeah. You get the higher voltage, and there. you operating in the curve where the impedance is a lot lot more conducive to, to operating at 50 ohms? So it makes it almost immune to mismatch.
0: Oh man. Yeah. Good stuff. M- Good
2: MRF st- three hundred. You a, a a kilowatt amplifier. The transistors come, come out to about $170. Wow.
0: Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff like that.
0: You know, I, I got to say, I had a similar, drill real, real quick, I had a similar troubleshooting thing come up the other day. I was sitting here in front of the computer and I went out, had a cup of coffee with Elise. It came back. The screen is black, black. And I'm looking down at the computer and, you know, the light for the CPU is just on. And I'm thinking, okay. Mm-hmm the day has finally arrived you smoked it huh well the the probably the ancient hard drive in this thing has gone toes up <laughs> and it's it and, and probably as my kids and my wife have been telling me it's time to get a new computer so i take the thing down i i actually take the hard drive out of the computer it's sitting there i start thinking about what i'm going to do next And then I I have this little old laptop that I bring in here and I figure, well, okay, I'll use the laptop in the interim, but let me hook up the laptop at least to the decent monitor that I have for this thing because I got a pretty nice monitor on it. And at least I could look at the the stupid laptop through the nice monitor. The monitor doesn't work with the laptop. (laughs) uh, Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Back, back, back. Is it the monitor? I mean, what goes wrong with a monitor? This is one of flat-screen monitors, like the old CRT.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-mm. There's a little power supply that goes that powers the monitor, that is now putting out 0. 0.46 volts. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> so this whole thing was caused by you know a 12 buck monitor, 12 buck power supply for the monitor. But anyway, in the course of doing this, I, I checked the manufactured date on the computer. And it was manufactured in 2012. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's four generations that, ago. <laughs> that's kind of it's kind of old. So my kids yeah. are right. So this is the new computer that I mentioned earlier. I'm on, I'm on the old one right now because of all the software is here. So yeah. I'm gonna in the course between this podcast and the next, I'm gonna get fully running uh, on the new computer. But Pete, one more thing you were talking about. Go ahead. You had uh, something to say. There's there's another mystery that was solved.
2: I I had on my SDR screen, I'd see these blips every 50 kilohertz. Yep. Yeah. It was the switching power supply in my computer.
0: Man, it was it's it's very similar to what I had with the uh, with the the, um, tra- the treadmill. treadmill. And, and yeah. this is the SDR. You you see things. You could see things that you couldn't see otherwise with that panoramic with, the, with that waterfall. So, well,
2: well so when I put it on another computer it didn't have the blips. So yeah. I knew it wasn't the radio, wasn't the antenna, wasn't the signal, it was the power supply. I got a new power supply, my computer supplier where and I had the computer business. They sent me one put it in there you know 10 minutes everything's plug and play just plug it all in boom boom
0: boom. It's good hey pete thinking about talking about you know strange things on screens you made a rather i think risky confession about some radio frequency interference that you were (laughs) you personally were generating what was it during was it during the 1950s or 1950s i think yes
2: yeah 1950s you were changing
0: all the channels because you had built yourself a little transmitter is that right
2: Yes, correct.
0: Okay, so Pete didn't Pete the story is Pete didn't like the programs on T V that his parents were playing. Two channels. They had two channels back in the day. Two channels and Pete wanted to watch one and not the other. One was sort of I mean, of you of a certain generation may know what I'm talking about, the Lawrence Welk Show. What was the show you didn't want to watch? Ed Sullivan. Oh, Ed, Ed, Listen, Ed Sullivan was great compared to the Lawrence Welk show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look it up, guys. Don't Iron watch it too foreign. long. Holy cow. <laughs> but uh, it was bad. So, Pete, you, you devised something, an intrepid radio amateur that you are. What did you do?
2: Well, I, I was reading this article. First of we should back up. Uh, back in the day when you actually had to ha- learn CW to get a ham license and not just pass a test... Uh, people had code records. They didn't have code tapes back then because they didn't have code tapes. (laughs) It was either code records or you bought a Johnson SpeedX buzzer. And this little buzzer, uh, you could adjust the frequency. They had a little knob control, and it was really like a spark gap. So I saw an article in Radio Electronics where you could put a tune network on the spark gap and actually make a transmitter out of it so it was not just the buzzer but you heard the sound but it was actually transmitting rf and by putting a tune network on it you could pick the band so light bulb went on i said why couldn't i put it on the it happened to be channel two and channel four was the two channels that were in the pittsburgh area channel 2 was kdka channel 4 is wtae kdka covered the ed sullivan show and channel 2 is right around 55 megahertz that the reason there's no channel 1 by the way is because that's our six meter band so channel 2 is just above the six meter band so you can build the two network so i tested it and sure enough you turn the thing on and the You know, in those days, signals were kind of marginal anyway. (laughs) You know, those first TV receivers in 1950 were brought as a barn. So any kind of stray RF. So I I figured out how to do it. So they'd put Ed Sullivan on. I'd turn the transmitter on, and it would blank out. And they said, well, let's check the other channel. (laughs) Turn it off. (laughs) The channel worked. I was built. I was nine years old.
0: My gosh, you, you were you were you were a precocious, <laughs> precocious radio nine imaging.
2: years old. Nine years old. Said, <laughs> you know
0: this when you told this story. It reminded me of the story that was the Woz, Steve Wozniak, yeah. tells in his book. I think he was in college, and they had this sort of you know on the floor, one room where the TV was on, and he built this device that he had in his pocket, and he would hit the button and somebody would go up and say, Oh, you have to stand next to the TV and you got to hold the antenna in a certain way. And then he would, he would be just like sort of gleefully controlling the actions of these poor people who are trying to watch TV. So yeah, this is a sign. This is another sign of the knack. Now, Pete, yes. Pete, the knack is, is all around us. Oh man, you got to go lot of good stuff. Can, can we talk about what I've been working on? Cause sure, it's been a sure. long time. All right. Now, so first of all, uh, on, uh, on my bench, I, this, we've been a long time. So since we did a podcast, so I've got to catch up here, but I've been thinking about the origins of the convention that we all sort of operate on. And that is lower sideband below 10 megahertz, upper sideband above 10 megahertz. Where did this come from? And when I first posed the question, I got all kinds of responses There is a widespread belief, and I'm not criticizing anybody who believes this because I believed it too for a long time. And here's the belief that, well, you see, if, if you set up a rig with the VFO running at 9 megahertz and the filter running at around 5 megahertz, then you'll be able to have basically a transmitter or transceiver on both 80 and 20. But because of sideband inversion, the 80 meter signal has to be on lower sideband and the 20 meter signal has to be on upper sideband. And in this way, you don't have to have an additional crystal to switch to different sides of the filter. So you see, this was sort of an economy measure that was adopted early on by radio amateurs so that they could have a dual-band 80-20 rig without the need for switching the BFO or carrier oscillator frequency. Sounds great, right? Sounds true, right? Except it's not true. You know, you, if you go back and you look, yeah, okay, the early rigs were running at 9 megahertz, right? The, but they were phasing rigs. And so they, with a phasing rig, you could, it was no problem going up or lower just side. You just yeah. use it with with one double pole, double throw switch, you could do it. But this legend is out there, and if if you go onto the internet and and search for this, you will get all kinds of guys giving very learned presentations on how this was explains it. But then if you go back and look at what rigs were manufactured, you you find no rigs that were really manufactured. In any kind of widespread scale, using this scheme, certainly not early enough to justify this kind of convention. So I think it's a legend. However, I picked up a VFO. You you recommended you pointed me in this direction. You know that I'm interested in analog VFOs, and Pete spotted on I think on eBay uh, the VFO from a from a Yesu FT101. Just the VFO. Pete Pete was really hoping that I would get this because of the, the tuning capacitors and the gear system used to drive the tuning capacitors. But when it arrived, it was really pristine. And I realized that all the circuitry for the VFO is still in there. It's Work. beautiful. It works. It works perfectly. And so I decided, of course, just to leave it as is and use it as the basis for a new rig. And I am going to build this mythical, legendary SSB rig for 80 and 20. I already bought the crystal, so I can make a 5 megahertz uh, crystal filter, and I have the the frequency range of this. You know, we we put out in the last podcast a question saying, okay, if you have a VFO that runs from this frequency to that frequency, and you want to get on 80 and 20, what is your uh, what is the best IF frequency? I'm really sad. Only one person came back with an answer.
2: And that was from down under.
0: That was down under, and it was close, but no cigar. It was, was pretty close. He's, I think he's, I think Peter, VK2EMU, said sort of like 4.8 megahertz. But actually, you'd lose a portion of one of the bands. And we did this. You know, you could do this real easy on a piece of paper. I did it on an Excel spreadsheet, and it comes out that 5.2 megahertz is the best. So I found some crystals, some computer crystals that are pretty close to 5.2. So I'm ready to build the crystal filter. I, I need to do all the calculations and stuff, but I'm ready to do that. And I'm thinking about calling this rig, I'm going to give it a name, the SSB Legend. <laughs> because this is the rig that supposedly drove the uh, you know uh, LSB below 10. But we still don't know where that came from. If anybody out there can come up, with a real explanation, I can't even find an article in QST that says, "Okay, this is the convention," because you'd be able to then date it. There's all kinds of weird things about. Well, it has to do with the way they did transatlantic uh, telephony and all this other stuff, and they maybe they just misinterpreted or overly zealous in interpreting an FCC regulation. Uh, I don't know. I don't buy. I don't think we have a good explanation. So, if anybody out there has one, please. Let me know. I'm in the process of building the legend. We'll make the legend a reality.
2: Well, there was also the legend about band edges.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The-
2: band edges where you put lower sideband and upper sideband.
0: Yeah. Well, a lot of guys still, to this day, they're they're kind of ignoring that. You'll find somebody thinking, oh, I'm on lower sideband or I'm on upper sideband. I can go all the way up to 14.3. Well, yeah. if it says 14.3, your 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 upper sideband signals, 14.35, your, your upper sideband signals out of the band. But, I mean, that, that's a technical point, Pete, that is far beyond the capabilities of <laughs> most. <laughs> it says so, so, the band edge is 14.35, and damn it, I'm on 14.3, <laughs> you yeah. know, 349. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 okay. Well, anyway, enough of that. The other thing I've been working on, this is an obscure thing. Um, I started watching these wonderful videos from our friend Mike Wu2D, and he recently started fooling around with the RTL SDR dongle, the dongle, and uh, they need to come up with a new name for this thing because you tell people you're playing with your dongle, it just, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 you know yeah, another yeah. activity comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, even yeah. Even yeah. I didn't name these <laughs> things; somebody else yeah, did. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, but but Mike was working with these things. And he started working on an up converter because these, these devices, they operate at, um, you know, kind of higher frequencies beyond higher, beyond most of the ham bands. So you really need an up converter to, to, to take the ham, the HF frequencies and up convert to VHF. And then it goes through the dongle into your computer. And Bob is your uncle. You have waterfalls and all the spectacular SDR stuff. So, Anyway, I watched in Mike's videos. It spurred me to to make one. He used an ADE one uh, mixer, but I didn't. But I already had a couple of NE six hundred two chips that were socketed, boarded, powered, you know, and all the socketry was done in nice little Altoid like tins. So I decided, okay, I'm going to do the same thing, but I'm going to do it with an NE six hundred two. And I got it working, and I was using it. But then uh, Gene Shepherd's voice was here i was hearing it in the background and he was saying but you don't really understand that ne602 chip all you know is that there's a gilbert cell mixer in there but you don't really know how a gilbert cell mixer works so i said okay i'm going to educate myself i'm going to figure out and learn and get to really understand the gilbert cell mixer easier said than done differential amplifiers we don't really use them a lot in ham radio they're they're central to the Gilbert cell mixer. Um, Alan W two A E W, our good friend, has some really wonderful uh, videos out there talking about the Gilbert cell, how the Gilbert cell works, and that was a real big help. But I'm not quite there yet. Um, I I kind of with mixers, I'm I'm very comfortable with the old two diode one trifiller transformer mixer. that that is used frequently in the Bidex rigs, that's Doug DeMar's favorite. It was the mixer that was in the double sideband rigs that I started building way back when. And I really know how that thing does both functions, how it balances with the trifiller transformer, really, and how it mixes with the two diodes. And I can see, without just looking at the trig formulas, I can see how the carrier is balanced out But that the sum and difference difference frequencies are not in that two diode trifiller transformer mixer. I can't quite see it in the Gilbert cell yet. I want to be able to. I want to have the same level of understanding with the Gilbert cell that I have with that simple, singly balanced mixer that DeMaul used, that Farhan used in his rigs. So that's what I'm working on. It's it's really quite interesting, and I've gone as far back as looking at the actual patent applications. You know, Gilbert Gilbert didn't want it called the Gilbert cell because Barry Gilbert, great guy, a Brit who worked in the United States for many years, uh, he, he said, look, he was just using what was essentially called the Jones cell. In 1963, a guy named Jones had filed a patent and gotten the patent on really what is the 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 differential the dual differential pair mixer that we call today the gilbert cell gilbert just added some diodes to it but the but the but the cell itself was invented by jones so it would be more appropriate to call it the jones cell i have jones's patent application and i'm reading through it in an effort to gain the kind of enlightenment that Gene shepherd wanted us to have anyway I, stay tuned I'll, uh, I'll 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 tell you how it goes on this related though in the course of putting the RTL SDR dongle on the air, I loaded some new software in there. I had been struggling with HDR HDSDR, which is good software, but people were recommending SDR smart. it's really nice and uh, and I put it in there um, uh, and, it, and it works works really well. It seems to, to work better with the up converters. All this stuff has got me thinking about VHF, VK3 Hn, Paul Taylor. Down there, another one down there in Melbourne. Melbourne is a hotbed, a hotbed of ham radio innovation and ingenuity. Paul's got a new video out (coughs) about he built a rig for going up to the mountains. One of the bands, (coughs) excuse me, 10 meters, the other's 2 meter SSB. And he's got a transverter in there in the box. Really cool. Check out Paul's latest video. We'll put a link there. Uh, Got me thinking about VHF, Pete. VHF, 2 meter SSB.
2: Have, have you seen anything that someone has taken the dongle and made it into a transmitter?
0: I haven't seen. It, have you? No. No, I haven't either. I mean People...
2: that 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 that's the next hill. Someone's gonna do that.
0: Somebody's I think somebody's gonna do it. It's probably already been done. But um the dongle, it's it's really interesting. It, it has the it has the capability. The I, I bought one. I bought a different one. I bought a version three RTLSDR.com dongle because this one says that you can do direct sampling at HF just by changing the settings without having to go in there and do mods. surgery surgery. I've done the surgery on on dongles. that's fine, but this one was kind of cool. It was a little bit updated so I got it 35 bucks or something like that. And it works, but it, it I don't I noticed that it mine wasn't working as well. As Mike's WU2Ds were with the up converter. And that's why I built the up converter. I think you get, when you do it with the up converter, you're, you're using it the way it was designed to be used. And a lot of the features available in the software, like AGC and, and uh, RF gain control, become available that weren't available when I was doing direct sampling. But, it, but it's an amazing piece of gear. The RTL SDR is right. And uh, <clears throat> it would be good to see two of them used in tr- sort of transceiver mode. Okay, come but, next week. <laughs> yeah, it'll be there. It's probably already been done. Um, speaking of homebrew spirit, um, I I got I was contacted through VK3HN, VK3HN Paul Taylor uh, was in contact with a fellow Jack NG2E who lives right here in the same county that I do. I do, and and Jack was uh, was con- was talking to Paul about homebrewing, and then Paul mentioned mentioned you and me. But, but mention, especially me, because I'm in the same county as Jack is. And um, uh, he had been watching Paul. Jack had been watching Paul's videos. He contacted me and, and asked about, I think you and I were both on the email chain, where he asked about he wanted to build an SSB transceiver because he had seen what Paul had done. And we both went back and said, great idea, mm. but mm. take it one step at a time. Do some smaller projects first. Now, Pete, most people, when we give them this advice, what do they do? ignore us they ignore it they go ahead and they build <laughs> try to build the ssb transceiver and it doesn't the guy
2: work. did that and threw it in the garbage then oh yeah Remember that? that's right
0: that's right yeah but but jack is a very smart guy and he actually listened to what we said and he went ahead and built uh everything for a michigan mighty might he had everything except the crystal and he said uh he said i i could tell he wanted he wanted to get it done he said I, I can drive over across the county and pick up the crystal. This was like when I was in one of the kind of the worst parts of my <laughs> back and legs melody. Yeah. But I, you know, I could, you could sense that there was a fellow home brewer who wanted the parts. I said, okay, Jack, come over. Listen. I said, if I'm horizontal, I will have these parts in an envelope out in the mailbox. If I'm vertical, come on into the shack and I'll, I'll, I'll show you around. So he came in, but I must say I was in pretty bad shape when he came in, but we had a, a very nice visit. I have a picture up on the blog. He's a really interesting guy. He's a, uh, a retired U S army engineer and, uh, with a lot of experience, a lot of common sense, a lot of enthusiasm. So he built the, uh, the Michigan mighty mighty and he went a step further. He built what's known as the 10-minute trans- transmitter. The 10-minute transmitter. I joked about this a while back. This is for those of you who are disturbed by the over-complexity of the Michigan Mighty Might. If the Michigan Mighty Might is too complex for you <laughs> with seven parts, yeah. <laughs> yeah. the 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 10-minute transmitter, which is being, I, I think, championed by Ciprian over there in Romania, is even simpler. And it's, it's set up for 40 meters I gave um, Jack a crystal that Walter, down in, in Florida. Oh, the Sunrise Radio Club. Yeah, KA4KXX had yeah. sent me. And uh, and he took it. Now, he's built the 10-meter.
2: 7123.
0: 7123, the Sunrise Net. And so he's he's built it. He's got it working. And, and he's now working on it. And he wants to do it some more. And he's trying to get the simple transceiver. He's actually built a low-pass filter. Three cheers for him. And he's trying to put it in a box, and he's thinking about using it for soda. This is really great enthusiasm, so so fantastic stuff. Um, and good luck. Jack we will help you along the way. Thanks very much. Final thing I want to mention is a good friend of ours, Bob, uh, KD4EBM, who I used to meet all the time at the local Northern Virginia ham fest back when we were doing that. He sent me a box filled with Rigs that he's no longer working on. And there was a tiny little thing in there that really caught my eye. Pete, it's about the size of maybe a large, a little bit bigger than a a pack, than a deck of cards, maybe larger than a pack of cigarettes, maybe a pack of cigarettes and a half. It'll fit in the palm of your hand. I'll put a picture of it up on the blog. And um, Bob really wasn't quite sure what it was. It had been a while since he'd worked on it. And I opened it up and realized that it was an SST transceiver, ooh, but designed by Wayne Burdick. Ellicraft. Elacraft. Yeah, this was before Ellicraft. Wayne just did this back. It looked like about 1995, 1996, and I think it was put out by Wilderness Radio or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It was a. It's a seven. It's a 20 meter CW transceiver. Tiny little thing, using and the radio gods have spoken here, mostly any 602 chips that I'm working on. And crystal controlled with a VXO in there and covers, you know, 15 or 20 KCs of the 20 meter band, puts out about one watt. So I started tinkering with this thing and I I realized that the the band, the the frequency coverage was a bit high. I mean, it had... The original frequency coverage was that I had on on the one he sent me was fourteen oh five eight to fourteen oh six five, which is okay, but it's a bit high. It's
2: in a QRP
0: frequency. Yeah, right. But but a lot of the activity is a bit lower. So I started tinkering with this thing with the Vxo frequency, and I moved it down a bit, and then suddenly I'm I'm hearing signals. So yesterday I'm tuning around with this thing, this tiny little thing, and I'm hearing lots of Europeans come through on CW. On 20 meters in the afternoon. So of course I think, well, okay, let's go the extra step. I pulled out the key that Farhan had given me from India and I hooked it up to the key jack and I just hit the key and I'm looking over at the power meter. It's putting out one watt. Heck, one watt I could work Europe, no problem. So I tune around, tune around and boom, I'm working a a French station right there. We're we're exchanging straight key Century Club, SKCC numbers. A few minutes later, I worked the station in in the Netherlands. The radio gods had spoken. This tiny little thing was was really a, a very functional transceiver. And it made me realize that if you had one of these things, this could be basically your whole ham shack. If you were living in a really restricted environment where you couldn't, you didn't have room for a lot of ham gear, you could stick this thing on the bookshelf. You know, or in the cupboard or in the kitchen, someplace. Run Cigar a box. It, it, it just sit there, and you know, you you would have the world. You'd have world access with this thing, because with, with I'm I'm using my doublet antenna. And I'm talking to Europe, so great great stuff. And uh, uh, by and-
2: by the way, that's a that's an interesting observation of mine. I've been looking uh, at the my SDR rig. And I hardly see any activity during the day on any band except twenty. And twenty has been hot. Yeah, I know. 20, meter, twenty meters has been hot. Nothing on seventeen. I mean, a few stations seventeen. Nothing on fifteen. Forty is like like a desert. All of a sudden, twenty meters—it's all lit up.
0: It's 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 always been a been a great band. And so when I th- when I think about putting a directional antenna up where my beloved Moxon used to be. I, it, it has to include twenty meters. Yeah. So maybe twenty seventeen, um, but but definitely twenty meters. You're right. It's a, it's it's a very useful and used band.
2: I I also notice it's open till about eight o'clock at night out here in the left coast.
0: And and DX coming in. I mean the the station yeah. I worked. The first station I worked was uh, F6EJN. Very nice guy Bob over there in France. But really cool. I mean I'm not I'm not you and I are not real big CW fans but it, it has its use. I mean, when you're running one watt to a suboptimal antenna, you know, from a little tiny SST transceiver, you're working stations on CW that you would never work never work on phone. So, And simplicity too. I mean, I love the simplicity of this rig. It's got a crystal filter. It's got a VXO in it. There's nothing complex about it. It always seems to me really massive overkill to have some guy running the latest, greatest Yaesu ICOM Kenwood rig $10,000 on CW I mean he's just yeah. turning the thing on and off it seems like you know it seems like technological a massive technological overkill it's
2: it's, it's hard it's hard to define presence in the CW <laughs> signal <laughs> hey
0: Pete solder smoke mailbag there you go boom We got. Some, we've had some good
2: hey re- wait a minute
0: Shameless yeah. commerce. Oh man, you I forgot about shameless, the shameless commerce. commerce division. Holy cow, I've, I'm out of practice. All right, please continue to use the uh, the um the, the Amazon box in the upper right hand corner of the solder thing. You know, we're, we're thinking more kindly about Jeff Bezos because he's a space geek like many of us are, but still, it's nice for him to send us some money. It's no money out of your pocket. If you're going to buy that Lamborghini or that really expensive uh, spectrum analyzer or anything, just do it by starting the search on our uh, soldersmoke.blogspot.com page. We will put the money to good use to support the <laughs> the limited technology. Well, endeavors you you, you had, had to
2: get a new computer.
0: I got the new computer. Somebody's got to pay for this. I'm going to use it
2: for the podcast.
0: It'll help. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. The other thing is, you know, if you want to be a, a, a patron, we have a Patreon page. It's up in the upper upper left-hand corner of the Sodder Smoke page. One of the advantages there is you get to see some of the videos that, that we do a little early. We, we put them out, you know, a few weeks early. You'll get a first look at them. And we always try to find other ways to to help the patrons without disadvantaging all the other listeners who've been with us for many years. So it's not like those guys are going to see something that nobody else sees They might just see it a bit early, and then the rest, then it'll it'll come out. But uh, we do appreciate the patrons, and it's a great way. It's a painless way. Well, it's not painless, but I mean, it's a convenient way to support the podcast. And so, take a look at that. I really encourage you to do that. The other thing is, take a look at the Solder Smoke uh, YouTube channel. We have a YouTube channel in Solder Smoke. Please listen. Please take a look at our videos there. I'm trying to get to the point. I need I need some more uh, hours of listeners. We have plenty of of. We have enough people. You, who you have, don't
2: have that program installed. I,
0: I, I that would be that would be <laughs> cheating, Pete. We don't. We're not going to do that. All right. But I know. I know. You got this. You got this kind of. You know, when you it started, when you were turning the channels off at nine years old, it's continuing. Yeah, I can yeah. tell. Anyway, thank you all for your support, and we appreciate it. Now, Pete, Solder Smoke Mailbag. We have a. A very international mailbag. And this is one of the things, you know, when I, when, when we, we had this hiatus in, in Solder Smoke, it was really heartening to get emails from around the world by people who really love the podcast and missed it. So, I mean, I mean, I think, I think it's a really nice thing that, that so many people, that it's an important part of their routines, that they miss it when it's not there. So, I mean, it, it, for me, that's, far more valuable than any of the shameless commerce or anything else. Plus having the opportunity to talk to you is just just a, just a fantastic thing. But I think we get a sense of the uh, kind of the international scope of our audience when you look at the mailbag, especially one like today. It starts out, John, Mike Mike Zero, Alpha Charlie November, wrote saying that, that he, he was suffering from SDR, SDR. And it's not software-defined radio. It's solder smoke depletion reaction. He also writes he, from the left coast of Scotland. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, and, and really was wondering why we had um, been off the fiber optic cable for so long. I explained to him about my uh, medical condition. He wished me the best, but it was kind of cool. So- solder smoke depletion reaction, SDR. Um, Peter VK2EMU, always great to hear from Peter. Uh, I mentioned him earlier, but he, he commented on some videos I put up of Professor Julius Sumner Miller. Wow. I don't know if you've looked at these videos, Pete, but this guy is the real deal. He's explaining scientific phenomena to people. And um, it's just he. he uh, I think Peter and others pointed out that at one point, some, uh, Julius Sumner Miller went down to Australia and lived there for a while and did science-based commercials for the Cadbury Candy Company. And somebody <laughs> wow. wrote to me and said he became beloved of all Australian children during this period that he was down there. People really liked his commercials. So uh, uh, Peter also mentioned um, Michael Collins, the astronaut, died you know, at age 90 not long ago. And wow, what a hero Michael Collins was. I must say, he, he, he wrote from what I think is the best book on the Apollo program. Ever written? I think it's I think it's called Chariots of Fire or something like that. I, I had it on the blog, but my check out Michael Collins' book on on the Apollo program. He was the guy who didn't land; he stayed in orbit in the and so he was flying alone in the command module while Neil and Buzz were down on the lunar surface. I also I always felt a, a connection to to Michael Collins because he was born in Rome. His father was the defense attaché. or worked at the defense attaché office at the embassy in Rome, the same embassy that I worked at years later. So, um, Michael Collins, what a what a fantastic life! Uh, Alvin N five VZH uh, was wrote with a really a, a very heartfelt concern about about Farhan in India. You know they're having a a, a very tough time there. Ugh. I mean, when you when you see that, it's it's just it's just really awful. I, I, I put up on the Solder Smoke blog a, uh, a place where hams can contribute to something that's going on in India. You know, the, the big problem they have is an oxygen shortage. This is one of those things, early in the pandemic, we all thought that ventilators were the salvation. And then we, we learned later on that when they put you on the ventilator, your chances of ever getting off of it were, were, were pretty low. But what they really need in India is oxygen, so people will come in with, you know, bad COVID symptoms, they just don't have any oxygen to give them. A bunch of uh, of kind of home you know, homebrewers, not necessarily hams, but but sort of hackers have come up with a way to a simple way to make oxygen concentrators. The technology is not super difficult. It's doable, and they've come up with a design that allows people to build oxygen concentrators all over India, I think it's really an interesting and worthy project. Hackaday was 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 uh, was spreading the word on it, and I have links to it on the Solder Smoke blog. Check it out. Um, we, you know, without getting into a lot of personal details, Farhan's doing okay. He and his family are doing okay, and uh, and we wish him the the best. But they're they're all in a terrible situation there, and you know you see it because we're we're seeing reports on Facebook and in other areas. A lot of radio amateurs have died there. You know, guys who were really beloved radio amateurs in different places in India have succumbed to the disease. And it's a, it's a sobering reminder of the importance of protection still. And, and India, they don't have the resources that we have in, in Europe and the United States or Australia. So um, we wish them the best. But it's a terrible, terrible situation. Burning
2: bodies in parking lots.
0: I know. Crem-
2: they exceeded the crematorium space. Burning bodies in parking lots. That's got to tell you.
0: It's really, really awful. Um, we wish we wish India the best. Um, and check out that that page on the oxygen concentrators. They're looking for support. Um, we got a nice email from a guy with a really cool name, Tindaro. <laughs> Tindaro V E three K Z J. Um, he he tells us that we have lit a fire under him. And he and he is into home brewing. He wants to get going. I think he's one of these guys who said, How do I build an SSB transceiver? I hope he's following our <laughs> advice. Yeah. Hope, hope. And, and he's a Paisan, so I think you yeah. guys you guys are yeah. you're in contact. So 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 Tindaro, listen to Pete. You gotta listen to Pete. That's the most important thing. On the other side of the world, Paul in Thailand, Hotel Sierra Zero. Zima, Zulu, Lima, Quebec, HS0ZLQ, uh, a.k.a. Golf Zero MIH in Thailand, also fired up by solder smoke, and he's going to build a regen for 17 meters. A regen. I don't know. But
2: he, he had an interesting input about how you can't fix anything anymore.
0: That's right. You can't fix anything anymore. But in, And a number of guys wrote in about the importance of being able to continue... To fix things, and somebody sent me—well, actually, Paul VK3HN sent me links to an amazing YouTube video about a guy whose aspiration in life is to be a repair man. If you haven't seen this thing, it's—it's really kind of edgy. Um, I mean, he—he talks about repairing lots of different things including things that we wouldn't normally repair but it's it really captures the kind of that he he it it's captures the knack spirit like I want to fix this stuff I don't want to just throw it away I want to fix it watch the video it's 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 up there just in the last few days on the solder smoke blog um and yeah uh, Paul mentioned that we got a, we got some nice email from Steve AD0JJ J uh, alpha delta 0 juliet juliet He sent us the picture of his license plate and it says like I squared E or something like that. It was from the power formulas and he was just riding around with this thing and it was the formula for power from current, I think. And uh, anyway, I said, okay, you guys have to guess what kind of car... This guy yeah, is driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. nobody guessed it right. People came up with all kinds of kind of humorous responses. It's a Tesla Model Are 3. You... <laughs> There's the answer. Yeah, right.
2: What else? Steve, hey, by th- the way, you know you know, you were talking about those tokens? Yeah. You got those tokens? And what was that guy's name? I, I've got it in the shack. Anyway, he sent me some too. So oh, man, I'm you. glad
0: you got one because I was going to send it to you, but I gave the one I was going to send you, I gave it to, to Dean.
2: No, no, I, I got, I got my own set. Got Aren't they cool? Set. Yeah, cool.
0: Yeah, he. And it, it's. Well, it,
2: I, I wanted to send him a, a thank you, but he's not got an email in QRZ. I'll
0: send you his email address. I have it. He's okay. a wonderful guy. And
2: he uses a laser burner.
0: Yeah, That's I know. How he makes it, us. It, it, it's, it's just so cool. And it, it's the same kind of circular formula that we put up not long ago on the <laughs> Solder Smoke blog. And he had done this before. So that, that is, that is really cool. Oh. One of the guys who, who wrote to us about repairing, who got the whole repairing thing going, is Pete, Victor Kilo 8, Mike Charlie. So many Pete's and Peter's. I don't know what it is. but Australia. or All over the world. Pete, Peter. How many Pete's are we talking about here? And Peter, VK2EMU. I'm looking at the list. There's something with the name. Uh, but, but he wrote to us from Darwin, Australia, in northern Australia. We don't get too many emails from Darwin, uh, but, but a very cool email. And, he, and he, he sent us an article from The Guardian newspaper in the UK about ending versus mending. We live in a society based on ending. You know, if something breaks, you get a new one, right? Obviously, we don't follow that prescription. We're more in the mending mode. And there's been a number of articles out about the uh, a revolution or a revolt. People demand the right to repair, the right to repair the equipment. A lot of this has taken place with farm equipment. People will buy a tractor and find out that they're contractually obligated not to work on it themselves. Holy cow. Or if they do, they, they void the warranty or they violate the law all kinds of crazy stuff.
2: By the way, here's a curious fact for you. When we were recruiting people to work in our aerospace factories, especially in states other than where the primary factory is, we always did recruiting and sourcing of guys that worked on the farm. Yeah. Because yeah. they knew how to fix things. <laughs> they knew how to things. They, they knew <laughs> they how, they how, how things, things worked. Yeah, that's they, it. They were the best employees. You know, you'd say, well, what do you think about that? Say, well, you look at this, you look at that. We, we gave them tests. We had a test. And they always scored high. They were our best employees because with just a little training about how we did things, they were ready to go to work.
0: Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's a mindset. It's an approach to technology that is that, yeah. really important. Yeah. That, that's, 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 that's really interesting. Um, uh, Peter, again, VK2EMU wrote, and he commented on my, when I was working on the HodgePodge Morse, uh, Hodgepodge, Morse for the HodgePodge transceiver. And I had been just injecting a audio frequency into the mic jack and, and transmitting. And I, I said, I'm not sure if this is, what, what, if this is legitimately A1A transmission. And uh, uh, Peter said, no, it's not really. It's modulated. It's J2A, J2A. It's a different kind of Morse. But then other people said, well, you know, lots of rigs are doing it that way. So what's the difference? So anyway, I, I throw that out there for those of you who are more into CW than we are. When, when I do that, is that a legitimate way to, to generate Morse? Is, is J2A A-OK? I put up a, uh, a kind of uh, a kidding around picture of the Dos Equis man, the most interesting man in the world, saying, I rarely use Morse, but when I do, it's always A1A. Apparently not, apparently it could be J2A too.
2: Yeah, but there's certain parts of the bands where it used to be authorized and not authorized yeah. so you need you need to look at
0: the band segment Holy cow I might once again be in violations of FCC regulations it's a good thing that I, they're not they gonna kick down the door any moment now Pete. I'm <laughs> yeah you yeah, yeah. all right um, Bruce our, our good friend KK0s he really liked Professor Miller's uh, videos I put one of them up there about electromagnetism check it out guys it's really good Vic Victor Echo three Victor Victor hotel or Victor Victor Alpha, I'm not sure. I got, my, my writing is bad here. I'm sorry, Vic. But he's building a Michigan Mighty Might transmitter. Excellent. Steve Silverman, our lexicographer, the guy who gave me my uh, Hewlett-Packard signal generator, the HT 8640B, um, he, he writes about, um, a trans, about a receiver that appeared on Hackaday that was built entirely with TTL logic chips. I don't know if you saw this. Interesting transce- transceiver. And all built with chips. So Steve's question was, is this SDR or HDR? Yes, for a ruling. I ruled definitely HDR. There's not a line of computer code or a microcontroller of any kind in there. So this has got to be HDR, even though it's chippy. All right?
2: Yeah, I, yeah. I I'd agree.
0: Yep. And, but an interesting rig nonetheless. Thanks for that, Steve. Good to hear from you. Scott, wa 9 wfa he and I have been talking back and forth. He built a different MMM. Not the not the Michigan Mighty Mite, but the mate for the Mighty Midget. This is the tube type receiver that Doug DeMaw did the uh did the article on way six back U8. in the 1960s, using three six U8 tubes. I built one of these things and got it going. And Scott was built one and was having trouble getting it going. And so He and I went through kind of a lot of back and forth about, you know, troubleshooting the thing, how it should work, could it work, did you know, were there design flaws or anything else? But he finally got it going. Fine business, Scott. I hope you're listening. Please send us an update. We'd like to hear um, some more from you. Um, And then I got I got some nice email from uh, from Nick M Zero N T V. Who's built some great stuff over there? The bread and, box. Yeah, that's right. In the bread box, that wonderful stuff. But he wrote to me about sideband inversion again. And he he he's been he's been sort of struggling trying to understand this the same way you and I struggle to try to understand many different circuits. Me more than you, because you already understand it. I'm still struggling. But um Nick Nick writes and he and he gave a kind of a formulation for understanding sideband inversion. And I went back and I said, Nick I think it's too complicated. I think what you have to do is go back to the real rule of thumb, and that is, when you look at a scheme for a mixer, if you are subtracting, if you are subtracting the signal with the modulation from the signal without the modulation, you get sideband inversion. In all other circumstances, no sideband inversion. That's simple enough, look at it, remember that. If you're subtracting the signal with modulation from the local oscillator signal with no modulation, in that case, you have sideband inversion. In all other cases, you do not. That's what you have to remember. For me, it's it's never failed.
2: Yeah, it's simple. Yeah. And, and, and it's simple, simple
0: enough. You can remember it. If you if you add two or three other elements to it, forget it. The next time you go to the bench and work on it, you'll have forgotten. But if you remember that one, remember it that way, you're good to go. Um And then finally,
2: sixty-eight degrees Fahrenheit is twenty degrees centigrade. That's all you got to (laughs) know. How to make the conversion? Sixty-eight degrees Fahrenheit is twenty
0: degrees centigrade. Uh, There you go. Um, And finally, we got an email from another old friend of ours, uh, Dave W2DAB, there in New York City. Dave was the guy also responsible for getting me the HP eighty-six forty B, because when Steve Silverman was moving. Uh, he, he, He was clearing out his apartment and he had this thing and Dave was kind enough to go to the other side of Manhattan Island, pick this thing up and haul it back up to his place on the east side where I picked it up a few weeks later. Dave writes that he's getting a scope. He's finally, after all these years, getting a scope. He's discovered that a multimeter will only get you so far. He's getting a scope and we talked about which scope to get. I passed him. Your thoughts, we both said great things about the Rigol scopes, but uh, you, you also like the Siglent. Was, is a Siglent, is that the one? Yeah, you also had some nice things to say it had a bigger screen and some other stuff. So I passed that along. Dave, let us know how it goes with your, your acquisition of the, the scope. We wish you a lot of luck with that. Pete, wow, we have got through everything here. I don't think we forgot anything. We did a lot of stuff. We did it's it. so great to be back. Yes. Sorry for the delay. We're gonna to try to do more of these in the future if you're able and I'm able. I'm I'm feeling pretty good. And uh, our next one
2: ought to be on Field Day because we do that. We've done that two years running now.
0: On Field Day. On on why June, not to go June, Field Day? June
2: June yeah. Two years in a row we did it on Field Day Saturday.
0: All right, we're gonna okay. Well, we'll try to do it on Field Day Saturday. Yeah. All All right. so we
2: started a tradition and, here, and I yeah.
0: might—I'm not going to say anything else, but I might have some field operations to report on. Ooh, ooh. we'll just leave that ooh. out there. Just you know, and my my field operations are usually quite exotic. Oh yeah, so last year I, it was under an umbrella, right? Well, I might—I'm going to go way beyond that. Ooh, ooh, maybe international. There you go. Yeah, Yeah. cool. Say no more for now. Uh, Okay. Pete Giuliano, thank you very much for getting up at O Dark 30 out there on the left coast of the United States. You bet. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to everybody for listening. Stay safe here. Get through the final phase of this thing. Get vaxxed. Gotta get vaxxed. It's free. It's free. Do it. All right. Seven threes from Northern Virginia. Seven threes from the left coast.
1: Thanks, Pete. Ciao. Ciao.
2: Ooh, that's awesome.
1: The Solder Smoke Podcast is produced once or twice a month using roadkill computers in an electronics workshop somewhere in the wilds of Northern Virginia. The podcast is available via iTunes and directly from our website, soldersmoke.com. Our blog, the Solder Smoke Daily News, is at soldersmoke.blogspot.com. Send email to soldersmoke, that's one word, at yahoo.com. Soldersmoke is listener-supported, and there are many ways you can help keep the podcast going. Please spread the word. Let your friends know about Soldersmoke, the podcast, and our blog. Put links to the podcast and the blog on your websites. Buy a copy of the critically acclaimed book, Solder Smoke Global Adventures in Wireless Electronics, available from lulu.com. Begin all your visits to Amazon via the Amazon link on our blog page. In this way, Solder Smoke gets a commission from anything you buy on Amazon. Buy some of our attractive Solder smoke t-shirts, coffee mugs, and bumper stickers at the Solder smoke store at cafepress.com. If you have a small business, consider advertising on the podcast or on the blog. Our rates are reasonable and our staff is friendly. If none of this appeals to you but you still want to help, well, we have a donation button in the upper left-hand corner of the blog page. However you choose to help, we thank you for your support.
0: Ciao, bravi ragazzi!